Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Man, we're, uh, man, there's battles going on all around us. I was driving, when I was driving up here to this morning, I, I realized, you know, my message is about taking back territory. And I didn't even think about it. Uh, you know, the battle and the war that's going on with, with Russia and, and Ukraine and how important land, how important territory is. Armies have been fighting for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years over land and over territory. It's important. It's important to the Lord our, and what, uh, <clears throat> what we possess and what we go after. And so it's just kind of, uh, I just think, I love how the Lord just kind of begins to put things together. Um, but uh, we're, we're in a battle and we're all in a fight. We're in some type of a fight today. We were, some of the, the battles are, are more intense than others, but, but for, for some of us, we're in, a, we're in a fight dealing with our anger. We're in a fight dealing with hopelessness. We're fighting for to be, the ability to be able to stay alive. We're fighting. We're fighting to be a man. We're fighting to be a woman. We're fighting to be that good mother. Fighting to be a, a good father. We're fighting hopelessness and we're fighting discouragement. We're fighting fear and we're fighting doubt. We're fighting financial issues and credit card statements and the ability to pay our utilities. We're in a fight. We're fighting with our children. We're fighting with our spouse. We're fighting with our bosses. We're fighting with our coworkers. At some level, all of this fighting is going on with somebody that you're sitting next to. We're in a fight. We're fighting to stay focused. We're fighting loneliness. We're fighting the urge not to end our life. We're fighting. And if you'd look at the person sitting on your left or your right today, they are probably in some type of a fight. There's a fight going on. And that fight doesn't matter whether you're young or old. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. You may be homeless. You may be without a job right now and you're in a fight. You may be on food stamps. You may be wondering where my next paycheck's gonna come. You're wondering where your next meal may come but you're in a fight. It doesn't matter what your bank account may look like, you're in a fight. It doesn't matter if your home is, is opulent and you've got 10 bedrooms and seven bathrooms and five car garage and whatever, it doesn't matter your status, you're probably in some type of a fight right now. There is a battle that is going on. It doesn't matter whether you're white or you're black. It doesn't matter where you're, you live in the United States or you live in Ukraine. There is a fight that is going on. You're fighting to make sense of life. You're fighting to, fighting to understand what's my purpose? Why am I here? What's the reason that I was born for? You're in a fight. You're fighting with, with issues that you don't understand. Why did this take place? Why did this happen to me? I didn't deserve this. You're fighting with anger with God, some of you. Trying to understand and to make sense. I've been a good person. I've tried to do well. I've tried to 
to help others. I've tried to serve. I've been faithful to my church, but yet why is this stuff going on? You're in a fight and you're fighting with the Lord. You're wrestling and you're doing battle. It's a fight. When you were young, you used to fight, you know, the, the, the pressures, trying to fit in, trying to measure up, trying to be cool. You fought your sexual addictions and all of the stuff that comes with, with being a youth and being young and wondering what's going to happen. Why don't they like me? Why am I being bullied? You're in a fight. When you get older, things don't always change. The fight's still there. The fight just changes. Now you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? Should I go to college? Should I not go to college? You got arguments going on in your head. When you're, when you're younger, you have your mom waking you up. But now when you're older, you've got your mortgage company waking you up. You got the electricity bill waking you up. You got two, two children staring at you and they're waking you up, wanting to know what's for breakfast. There's always a fight. There's always something staring you in the face that's, that's a challenge. It doesn't, it, it doesn't end. And I've got good news. Just trying to paint a reality, a picture of those that are sitting next to us. We're in some type of a fight. The fight itself is not always the issue. The fight isn't always the focus. The fight is just a distraction to focus you on anything else but your future, your purpose, your destination. Okay, let, me, let me say that again. The fight is not necessarily the focus of, of what's going on. It is just merely a distraction to try to get your, your, your eyes off of what am I called to? What is my purpose? Why am I here on this earth? And if the enemy can get us and our attention on anything else, he's taken us off our calling. Now, I don't mean calling into ministry. I mean, we all have a calling. You are put here on this planet, on this earth. You weren't an accident. You weren't a mistake. You'll hear me say that all the time because I, I am frustrated. I, sometimes I just, I look at people that are out there standing on a street corner and they're, 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 they're holding up a sign. And I'm like, man, you were not created for that. And, but for the grace of God, many of us could be standing there as well, but somewhere, somehow they've, they've, they've surrendered to the fight. They've given up. They've thrown in the white towel and they said, I can't do it no more. I don't, I, my, 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 the, the, <clears throat> their purpose, <laughs> the fight has been greater than their purpose. And for some of us, we, we might not be standing on a street corner holding a sign, but we might as well be because we've given up. We've given up on our dream. We've given up pursuing that which we always wanted to do. 
We've given up on that dream job. We've given up on going to college. We've given up on that pursuing, you name it. And internally, we're holding a street sign saying, I've given up. I've lost the fight. The biggest fight really is what's going on inside of us. Fighting our insecurities. Fighting our identity. Fighting our destiny, our calling. Not knowing who we are. Not knowing why we're here. Not knowing, not knowing that I'm a son and I'm a daughter of the Lord. We don't know that. And when we don't know that, then we begin to, to, to walk aimlessly and we, we, we find ourselves involved in this situation or in that situation. And the enemy gets us just distracted enough because we don't know whose we are. He, if he can just get us a couple degrees off center, we start pursuing the wrong things and we miss the, the, the very purpose in which we were created. I believe it. And we know Jeremiah 29 11, we know that, we, that the Lord has a plan and a purpose, but man, would you please tell me? You know, I think many of us are just saying, yeah, I am here, Lord. Please tell me my plan and purpose for my life. Please tell me what I was here for. Well, I do not want to go through another day getting up six o'clock in the morning, taking a shower, eating breakfast, going to work, coming home, 5.30. I've got kids yelling. I've got a wife that's frustrated. And, I, and, the, and the cycle just happens over and over and over and over again. And, and before you know it, we're 55, we're 65, we're 75. And we look back and we're like, what was the purpose of my life because we've never fully understood who we are and whose we are and what we were created for. God has a plan, but I don't know it. And I would love to know it. And even though the Lord knows my future, somehow it seems like the enemy knows it too. I don't know if that's biblical, theologically correct, but it sure seems that way. Since I got the mic, I'm going to run with the premise. It sure seems like the Lord or the enemy knows my purpose and my destiny as well. There's some of you that the enemy tried to kill when you were still in the crib. There were things that took place in your life when you were two years old, three years old, four years old, seven years old, 10 years old, that he tried to do you in and he tried to mark you and scar you for the rest of your life. Some of you have been abused and molested and taken advantage of. Some of you have been beaten and verbally, verbally abused and physically abused and he's tried to take you out. And those things that you went through when you were three and when you were 10 and when you were 13 and when you were 14 and maybe when you were 25 is all things that the enemy has put into your pathway, into your life to try to get you distracted, to try to take you out from the very thing that the Lord has called you to do. I'm convinced of it. I can remember as a six-year-old something that took place in my life that still to this day I struggle and wrestle with. 
and I wasn't sexually abused. Something that somebody said to me, the words had such weight. And I know you might be saying and thinking, you know, get over it. You're right, man. I, I have, and I've been trying and I still am. But it's, but it's left a mark. Now, the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, it comes in and it can heal us. But the point is, what I'm trying to communicate to you is that the enemy is trying to come and to, and to distract you and to hurt you and to kill you. It says, it says in John 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy your life. He wants to take you out. And we must know that. We, I think sometimes as the church, we forget that we're in a battle and we're fighting an enemy that wants to kill your life. He wants to kill your children. He wants to kill your family. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to kill you financially. He wants to take out everything about you. And we've got to wake up and understand that we are in a fight for our life. What's going on in Russia that is demonic at its highest level. And that man is trying to come in and he is destroying the lives of innocent people in his own country and in Ukraine. It's horrendous what's going on. And we sit around and we're like, well, you know, wars have always happened. Man, we are in a battle. And though we may not be in Ukraine and we may not be in Russia, but you're in your own battle and we are in our own fight right here in Cleveland, Ohio, in Brunswick Church. And we're doing battle and we're fighting and we're wondering what tomorrow's going to look like because the enemy's trying to kill us. Oh, you're blaming your wife, you're blaming your boss. You're blaming your children because they're right there in front of you and it's easy. Someone easy to point to. Erica, it's her fault because she's there. She's real. She's tangible. I can see her. I can feel her. I can touch her. I can do it. You know, it's like, I want to blame Erica. I'm telling you what, instead of blaming your spouse, you need to begin to attack the enemy and go after the enemy. You need to stop blaming your boss and begin praying for your boss. You need to quit blaming the government and start praying for your government. The battle is the enemy that's trying to kill us and destroy us. And yet we turn around and we turn our guns on all of the people that we really care about, people that we love, people that, that are supporting us really. That's not our battle. That's not where our fight is. Our fight's with the enemy and it's going to be one on our knees. It's going to be one in the, in the heavenly places doing battle. In Luke, I want, to, I want to shift gears and I got 13 minutes. I'm creaming 10 pounds in a five pound bag right now. In Luke, I want to pull out a story and I want to look at it maybe a little differently. And in Luke chapter eight, and I'm not going to read it all to you for sake of time, but in, in, in Luke chapter eight, starting in verse 22, it's a familiar, familiar story. So let me just read a little bit to you. And then I'm going to pick up and I'm going to, I'm going to run with this here for the, for the rest of the 13 minutes. It says, now it happened on a certain day 
that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to him, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And then they came to him and awoke him and saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water and they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to him, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled saying to one another, who can this be? For he commanded even the winds and the waters and they obey him. Then he sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. So he went from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. He was, in, he was in Jewish territory on one side when he started. When he landed on the shore, he's in now Gentile, in a Gentile region. Okay? He said, let us go to the other side, to the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out of the land, there he met him, a certain man from the city who had demons. His demons had demons, and those demons had demons. He had a lot of demons for a long, long time. He wore no, no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but he lived in the tomb. He lived in the grave. He's coming out of the grave. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, he fell down before him, and with a loud voice, he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Okay, we get the picture. The guy was set free. The whole city comes out. The guy becomes one of the first evangelists, right? We get it. Jesus got off, just got off a, a very turbulent cruise. And... Uh, he was sailing to the, the Gadarenes, which is part of 10 provinces in a Gentile region. All right. So they, they are not, they are not uh, accepting of, of, uh, of Jesus. As he gets off the boat, he meets this man that is demon possessed. This isn't any ordinary demon possessed man. It says that he has, he is legions. When he asked who he is, they, they come out and it says, you know, we are legion and legion in the Roman armor army at the time represented 6,000 soldiers. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that he had 6,000 demons. It just means that there was a lot and they were organized and they were ready to kill and destroy him. He meets this man. And he begins to worship Jesus. But this isn't any ordinary worship. This isn't the right kind of worship. But he does recognize that Jesus is the son of God because he says that. As he begins to have a, a conversation with this man, he falls down and, he's, and, he, and, he, and he calls him most high son of the living God. Now, if you're a disciple this little side note, you know, if you're a disciple looking on to this, I mean, they just asked the question when he calmed the wind and the waves, who in the heck is this man? They themselves don't understand who he is at this moment. But this demon-possessed man knows who he is. And so 
he recognizes this and he begins to have this negotiation go on, this conversation go on between Jesus and this demon-possessed man. And the demons begin to, to say to him, if you're going to cast us out, we understand that's going to happen. But don't cast us out of the region. Don't cast us out of the territory. This is the conversation that's going on. They're like, I recognize we're going to get out of this man. We're no longer, but, but cast us out in a way in which we can still stay in the territory, that we can still stay in the region. See, this is where I was saying at the very beginning, <clears throat> the enemy and the Lord is interested in our assignment. He's, interesting, he's interested in territories. He's interested in possessing the land. He's interested in being able to control regions and, and cities and villages and mayors and people of that nature that will have influence over an area. And so these demons don't want to be cast out into outer darkness or what have you. They want to be cast out into a, into a situation where they can still stay and have influence in the region. We look at this passage of scripture and we read it in the past and we look at it from the eyes of this man that's demon possessed and we have compassion on him. As we should. He lived a horrendous life. And we typically look at this like, wow, what a miracle. You know, man, this stuff happens in Africa. Man, I've read about it and I've, you know, I've heard about it. And, and, and this is what we think about, man, you know, but we never think about people sitting next to us that are going through an awful lot. And whether they may be oppressed or possessed, it doesn't matter. The, the influence is still taking, having an effect on their life. And so this man is getting, these demons are, are communicating and they're wanting to stay in the region. And, and, and as I was saying, we're looking at this story in the past, or I looked at this story in the past of the compassion of, of Jesus coming in and casting this man, the, these demons out of the man and him being set free. And, and then Jesus turns around and takes off and leaves because the people came out. Because once that man, the, the demons got cast out of, the, out of this man, the city heard about it and the city came out to see this man. 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 Tell you what, when signs and wonders begin to happen and break out in miraculous ways, the city will come to the church to see what's happening. You guys weren't picking up what I was saying. When God begins to move in a powerful way, the city will come. The neighborhoods will come. The people will come because they want to see what's going on. They want to see what's taking place. They want to see the miraculous. They want to see the supernatural because you know what? We're all, we're all very familiar. The supernatural world to the, to the lost is very real. So when God begins to move and revival begins to happen and God begins to show up in powerful ways in our communities and in our workplaces, in our churches, the people will begin to come and ask questions to see what's going on. And that's what happened. And the people came out. They came out to see what has taken place with this man. And they said that when they came out, they, they, they were so afraid of what had taken place because they knew this guy for years and years and years and who he was. And they were afraid and they sent Jesus off. 
Interesting. But maybe, maybe when Jesus was over on the other side of the Lake of Galilee and he says, let's go to the other side. Maybe it wasn't necessarily just to go to the other side of the lake and to preach the gospel. Maybe it was an assignment that the Lord knew that Jesus knew that this man was there and that his assignment was in that territory and was in that region. Because when the man got set free and asked, can Jesus, can I go with you? The, Jesus said to him, no, you stay here and you go tell which Jesus rarely ever said. Usually when he healed somebody and things took place, he would say, don't go and tell anybody. But in this situation, because I believe that the, that the story in the scripture is trying to, to, to paint a bigger picture, maybe look at it from a, different, from a different side of the ball, and he's trying to say, this is your region, this is the territory, this is why you were born to go and to preach the gospel to the Gentile region of the Gadarenes and, and proclaim Jesus. And this is why there was such a great attack on this man that he was so demon possessed because the enemy was trying to do everything in his power to stop him from filling the purpose and the call that was on his life to take the gospel into his region and to see it turned around for Jesus. Some of you guys are in a fight for your life and it's because of the call that's on you and the enemy is trying to stop you. He's trying to prohibit it. He's trying to do everything he can to stop you from doing what you're called to do. Jesus said, you stay here. You go back and preach the gospel. You stay here. Don't you change jobs. I've got you there on assignment. Don't you look for another woman. Don't you go here. Don't you go there. I've got you right where I want you. I just need to set you free. And I know that the enemy, I, may, may I suggest that possibly, even possibly, that the storm that rose up on the, on the, the Sea of Galilee was initiated by, by Satan himself to try to hinder Jesus to come to this man to set him free because he knew once this man was free, he was going to go back into his city. Oh, can, 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 does Satan have that kind of power? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Wake up church. If he can wrestle, if he can wrestle over the body of Moses with, with, with Michael, the archangel, he's got some type of power when he can hinder the angels coming and delivering a message to Daniel for 21 days, a battle's going on in the spirit realm. He's got more power than what you think. And that's the problem, church, is that we do not, we underestimate the power of the enemy. And I'm not here to put him on a pedestal. I'm not here to lift him up. He is defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that as a church. But we need to wake up that he is trying to kill you. If he can kill you physically, that's, that's the best. But if he can just kill your dreams, if he can kill your motivation, if he can, if he can stymie your purpose... He's got you right where he wants you. Many, many, I think sometimes many of us, we come in here and it's like we're going to a movies, man. We're, we've got our pop. We just need some popcorn, you know, and we come, hey, we're going to the movies this morning, kids, man, let's go. It's really AKA church, but you know, we're just coming to be spectators. 
Yeah, that song. I didn't really care for that song that, you know, today. <laughs> Instead of recognizing, like, guys, we're in a flipping battle. We've come here to worship. We've come here to to, to go after the King of Kings because he is the one that can deliver me out of my hopelessness. He's the one that can can deliver me out of my suicidal tendencies. He's the one that can heal my marriage. He's the one that can set my feet on a solid ground when I feel hopeless and discouraged and I'm in this fight. He is the only one that's able to do that. I love our pastors. I love my friends and their encouragement and I need them in my life. But at the end of the day, I need Jesus who can heal me and set me free. That's what we need. And we become lazy Christians. We're in, an, we're in a battle. And I believe that, that when, I, when I'm looking at this story and I'm reading this story, I'm like, man, this guy had a purpose in his life. This wasn't his purpose to be demon-possessed. It wasn't. This is not what he was born to do. When Jeremiah said that I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb, that applied to this man. Do you think this is what Jesus had intended for this man? No. Somewhere the enemy got in. Somewhere a door was open. Somewhere something happened in his life. Somewhere the enemy came in and, and got him off his assignment. But, the, but, I, but I just wonder, I just wonder, Ken, could it have been that Jesus is creating this illustration in this story to show us that I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. I'm going to climb any wall. I'm behind every shadow. I'm going to go wherever I need to go. I'm going to go through storms. I'm going to go through cross rivers and valleys and lakes and I'm coming after you because I want your assignment to be fulfilled so that you can do what you're called to do. I just believe that. And it's time to fight with the enemy. It's time to go to battle with him. Quit fighting our fears and everything else that comes. It's real. It's real, church. It's real battles that we're going through. It's real. At the end of the day, we've got to lift our, we got to lift our eyes a little higher. We've got to lift our eyes, what does Scripture say, to the hills? Because that's where my help comes from. Get your eyes off Erica. Get your eyes off the spouse. Get your eyes off the boss. Get your eyes off your failures. Recognize that when the Lord said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, that he has a good and perfect plan for your life. And you're in a fight this morning. And we've got a choice. We put, pick up the boxing gloves, put them on, and go to battle and begin fighting the enemy and saying, you will not, you will not have my children. You will not have my home. You will not have my finances. You will not have my peace. You will not take my hope from me. You will not. 
I will walk in what I'm called to. I will follow the dreams that are in my heart. I will go to school. I will start that business. I will. Because my God and my Jesus is greater and he will go through any storm for you. He'll go through the storm and he'll speak to the storms in your life and in my life so that we can walk in what we're called to. And some of you guys, you're in a battle. But Jesus is on the way. Jesus is in the boat. I preached the message about being in the boat, I think. It's a little different message, context, but... Jesus is in the boat and he's on the way. He is coming to your battle. Some of you feel hopeless. Let me tell you, look at me right here. Get, look up, lift, lift your head up. Jesus is not finished. Lift your eyes up. Jesus is not done. He is not over. You still have breath. You still have life. It is not over. There is hope. There is goodness coming to you. I'm telling you, you may be sick. It don't matter. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our sanctifier. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is everything that we need. And I'm just telling what he did for this demonic man to set him free so that he could go into his region and take the territory back for the kingdom of God is what I think he wants to do for us. I do. Six minutes over. Let's stand. I think you get the point. I want you to leave here encouraged. Yes, nothing's changed. News alert. Nothing's changed with the fight that you're in right now. Unless you got some text or something and someone dropped a you know, huge amount of money in your bank account or something, you probably still got a financial mess when you walk out of this situation, right out of this church. But, but there's hope, people. There is hope in the name of Jesus. And that's what I've come here to tell you this morning, that the same God that saw the demonic in, 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 that, in that region is the same God that sees you right where you're at. And whether you think he's being delayed or there's storms that's prohibiting it, I'm telling you, he is coming for you. It's a reckless love. It is a reckless love. And there is no grave. What a perfect, there is no grave that can hold us back. There's no grave that can hold us back. So let's pray. We have a ministry team. And we want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and man, it's like, I need someone to grab a hold of me and let's go to battle with. I just, would someone just put their arms around me, hold my hand and pray with me. I don't know what you're going through, but don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The battle's the Lord's and he will win. He's already won. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.